0: I'm <laughs> Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Welcome to the show, everyone. I have two very special guests who are both dear family friends of mine, a powerhouse couple, and co-authors of the book Relationship Grit. Katherine Gordon is a wife, mother, businesswoman, movie producer, and co-author of Relationship Grit with her husband, John. Throughout her professional career, Katherine became a top producer in sales for several companies before deciding to follow her passion as an actress and model. After the birth of her children, she focused on raising them and helping her husband, John, in growing his speaking and consulting businesses. With her children off to college, she has returned for a second act, investing in real estate and movies, mentoring women, supporting charities, and both writing and speaking to audiences about the keys to a great relationship. John Gordon is a husband, father, and author. His best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, and nonprofits. He is the author of 24 books, including 11 bestsellers and five children's books. When he's not on the road, you can find him spending time with his family and taking long walks, which are where he gets most of his ideas. Among all of his accomplishments, John believes that what he says today will inspire you to take action tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce to you John and Catherine Gordon. Hi,
1: Maren. Hey, Maren. How you doing? I'm
0: fabulous! Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful to have you guys here. Thanks so much for carving out time.
1: Our pleasure. Yeah,
0: our pleasure. So we all met when I was a fully formed adult, and uh, through um, my sweet aunt. Um, but I'm curious to know, and this is how we start off all of our shows. What was little Catherine like, and what was little John like?
2: Mm. Little Catherine was wild. <laughs> Um, a risk taker, uh, not very disciplined, but a lot of fun.
0: I love it. How about you, John?
1: So little John was the youngest of all the children in his family. So a late bloomer played a lot of sports, was a good athlete as he got older um
2: very studious very
1: studious and driven driven hardworking. wanted to play on my brother's football team when I was like six so they actually let me be on the team and they gave me a number called half a half it wasn't even number one they gave me half <laughs> as a pint-sized guy on the team so I guess I was always uh, hungry gritty tough but also a lot of insecurity and doubt I would say you know growing up like a lot of kids you know had a lot of challenges when I was in eighth grade I definitely had some depression anxiety I remember my mom you know getting all concerned because I was depressed and you know so I I, you know like most kids it wasn't a perfect childhood but I would say it was a good childhood
0: I love that I ask that because I want this show to be a lot of behind the scenes of you know, to showcase the the humanness and the behind the scenes and the the raw grit, as you would say, and the the transparency behind the people who have built these amazing careers and movements. And so it's really important, I think, for us to focus on um, all the different phases of one's life. And so I actually don't, I had no idea that you guys were, you know, I, I have no idea who you guys are aside from who you are now because we only met a couple of years ago
1: I love that. that. Really That's really cool, cool that you do that. I was also very entrepreneurial. I should say that I would go around during the, during the winter storms and I would go sell driving, you know, a, sh- a shove-way dri- sh- dry- sh- shoveling driveways. <laughs> and I would shovel driveways. But actually I would sell it and then I would get my brother to go do it. So I would sell it for like 10 bucks and give my brother five bucks to go do it. So I was actually entrepreneurial, even at that age, trying to make some money that way. And I didn't know that my dad told me that I didn't even remember that. He reminded me years later that I did that.
2: And I didn't know you wanted more of a detailed answer, but um, yeah, I wasn't driven like John. I was, um, you know, in my book I talk about, I grew up in a, in a Navy family. Um, you know, my dad was gone all the time and my mom was just trying to manage us. So, you know, there was, like I said earlier, I I mean, I was pretty wild, but, you know, I didn't get to play sports like John. I didn't know about the, the half. That's the first time I've heard that. Really? Yeah. So that's kind of neat. I found out something about my own husband (laughs) just now.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. So your collective brand is built on positivity. And as much as, as you know, the times that I've been involved with you guys, it's always been, you know, very happy and positive. Are you guys ever negative?
1: <laughs> Let me say this. My brand is built on positivity. Catherine's isn't. And so Catherine has her own brand. I want to make that very clear because that, that is ultimately my brand. But the funny thing is, she's more naturally positive than me. And so she's naturally a joyful, positive person and i have to work really hard at it. so are we always positive? <laughs> no. <laughs> was i negative? yes, a lot in the past. did she almost leave me because i was so negative? yes, we wrote about that in relationship grit where you know i was so negative she had enough of my negativity, she gave me an ultimatum and that caused me to change. but we are genuinely, you know, positive optimistic people through adversity. we do genuinely love people, good people. You know, if you come at us, if you are, you know, attacking us, then we're not going to be so positive. We are all both fighters. I grew up fighting my way through my neighborhood. I had a dad who was a New York city police officer. Catherine was a fighter. She broke her brother's nose. Um, and so we, we're also tough. Where in terms of, if you come at us, we're not going to be very positive, but we will always try to respond first with faith and positivity and try to live out our faith that way. But ultimately, you know, we're not perfect and we may fall short. Mm -hmm.
2: And yeah, I do always say that. John, the reason he's able to write the books that he does is because he had to work so hard on being positive. Whereas for me, it just is kind of the way I am. And so I would just look at someone and say, perk up, cheer up, you know, like, what's wrong with you? whereas john the reason he's able to write these books and 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 teach people how to be positive is because he's coming from a more negative space
0: so if negativity were to creep in do you have certain tactics or you know ways to bring yourself down to earth to to remain grounded and to hone into your positivity
2: Yeah. Um, communication. So, you know, over the years I've found there are really simple things that are going on with John or my kids or, you know, people in general that I'm interacting with. And it normally has to do with basic things like they're hungry, they're tired, they're angry, right? I mean, really just basic, um, emotions and when you can look at it like that I mean there are times that my son will come in the door from work and I can tell he's just tired and so he's grumpy and so by me just communicating with him oh you know you had a hard day and you're tired it just it just takes the steam off does that make sense Mm -hmm.
1: what do you do though when you're feeling negative how do you recharge yourself how do you become positive when you're feeling down
2: For me, um, it's really important for me to have, uh, sleep, but if I get into a situation where I am being negative, I, I try to step back. I'm not always like that. I mean, John, will tell you, it's hard for me to apologize. That's not true, but, um, you know, I will just try to step back and, and see what's really going on with me. And that might mean I have to go take a five minute breather. It might mean I have to go take a walk. And sometimes it's about changing the tape in my head. You know, there's a negative tape sometimes that comes right through like a ticker tape. And, you know, my own, you know, issues, maybe childhood, you know, whatever it is comes up. And I have to to check myself and go, that's not real. That's not real. Yeah.
1: That's great advice. For me, I don't really ground myself when I'm feeling down or, or negative. I actually look up, you know, and I lift up. And I try to lighten up. And for me, it's prayer. Like the way I try to move through my challenges is through prayer. On my own, I am fearful. With God, I am faithful. I know my faith in God doesn't make life easier. It makes me stronger. And so I really will often be like, God, I trust in you. Like I can't do this alone. When the anxiety is coming in, when the fear is coming in, when I'm worried about my kids and their future, I just have to go, God, I trust in you. When I'm having a bad day, I know this too shall pass. It's temporary. It's temporary it's a bad day. So I let it go. I don't try to fight it. I know it's a bad day. I know it's going to be a rough day. And I know that I'm not going to feel my best today. I do my best I can during that day. And then I go to bed with prayer, hoping the next morning I'm going to feel better. And so often, you know, you do so often within a day or two, you're feeling better. You let things go. It's the ebb and flow of being human. It's a natural cycle of ups and downs, like a roller coaster. And you start to understand that. I think the more you try to wrestle with it and fight it, the more negative you become, almost like a slump in baseball, baseball batters. The more they try to fight the slump, the worse it gets. The more they surrender to it, they're able to move past it.
0: I love that by the way i your book is incredible i read it in one sweep i couldn't put it down canceled my afternoon it was just so wonderful i learned so much so thank you guys so much for doing this work and for putting this out into the world this is this is pure gold if you guys haven't read the book relationship grip by john and Catherine, it's spectacular i highly recommend it john you speak a lot in the book about prayer and i know that prayer looks Um, the practice of prayer looks different for a lot of different people. What does that practice look like for you?
1: For me, it looks like surrender. It looks like trust. It looks like me just talking to God and, and listening and being open. But more than that, it's receiving, like receiving God's love, receiving God's forgiveness. And it's about trust and surrender. It's the fact that, like, we're like an energy pipeline, right? And we have this sludge in our pipeline that holds us back. And so, for me, prayer is like letting go of the sludge and allowing the spirit, that high energy, to flow through you and move through you, like cleanses you out. So, that positive energy moves through you and it raises your energy, raises your vibration, raises your, your frequency in a positive way. You know, everything is energy. So, e equals MC squared. I always see the world in terms of energy. So for me, it looks like that. My word this year is abide, you know, abide. And so it looks like letting God into my life, surrendering to that greater spirit, that greater power, greater energy. So merging with God, oneness, you know, not separateness, but oneness and allowing that to happen, if that makes sense.
0: Do you speak to God audibly? Do you sit in silence? I know you take walks in the morning and that's where you get a lot of your inspiration, but what does the actual practice of prayer look
1: like? Yeah, it's it's a practice of walking. Mm-hmm. I'm on the beach and I'm walking and then I'm praying. So I'm speaking out loud. And sometimes I'm asking for help. Sometimes I'm crying so, for help. Sometimes I'm gr- grateful and just thankful and receiving. So it looks like I trust in you. I surrender. I can't do it alone. It's about praying for guidance, wisdom. Show me the way. Guide me. It's about use me for your purpose. Guide me towards my purpose. Have me be what you want me to be. Have me do what you want me to do. Show me who you want me to help today. Help me better, be a better father, better husband, better person. Give me the strength to get through this challenging time. So it looks like those kind of words and verbal. I'm speaking out loud. Sometimes I'm saying it in my head. Sometimes I'm talking it, it also looks like just being silent and still. It looks like almost meditation away, contemplative prayer where you're just basically sitting there allowing that silence and that stillness to create an opportunity for God to move in. When Catherine was younger, she would practice Buddhist meditation and yet Jesus showed up in her meditation. For me, when I was practicing Buddhism years ago, I was meditating and a glowing cross is something I started to see that happened to me. That's began my journey of faith, you know, with Jesus. So, you know, it looks like different, but it really just in many ways, it's just surrendering self. And then when you dissolve into self, you dissolve into the oneness of everything. And most importantly, God, and I think you become now a conduit that God can use a vessel that God can use to move through you so it's about becoming the vessel you either are a resistor or a conductor i wrote about this in training camp learned this from john ortberg who's a pastor out in menlo park and the idea is that a resistor will hold on to its electrons so it holds on to them so its power comes from only the power that it has within it within those electrons the conductor actually freely gives and receives of its electrons. So it gives and receives the electrons. So its power comes from the current that flows through it by being a conductor. And so are you a conductor? Are you allowing God to flow through you? Or are you a resistor trying to to do it on your own? Mm -hmm. And for me, prayer looks like moving from resistor, which I am at times, to being a conductor. Mm -hmm.
0: That's great. Catherine, what does prayer look like to you? You know,
2: prayer for me is is a lot of times moving, moving prayer. Um, I will get up in the morning and 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 say a quick prayer, but it's normally, um, you know, praying for my guidance, for my children, and for God to use me as a vessel. But I will say, God talks to me when I'm moving. It's the craziest thing. There are times in my life that I have heard from God, and it was very profound. One of them was your implants are killing you. You need to get them out. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them was a time when I needed to um, go get one of my children. Um, So there's no set way for me. It's just been over the years, me paying attention and really knowing that the message I'm getting is real. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I like to think of it as a, you know, moving, moving prayer, moving meditation.
1: And Marin, a lot of people, you know, say, well, I pray, but I don't hear God. I don't know if I can trust to God. A lot of people don't even believe in a God. So how can you trust in a God you don't believe in? I think there's a song that says something like that. But for me, God is often saying, you know, Trust me and I'll show you. People often say, show me and I'll trust you. But God is saying, really, trust me and I'll show you. And I have found in that trust, I have seen so many gifts and demonstrations of God working in my Mm -hmm. life that I have come to believe. You know, I truly believe. And I think it's hard for people to believe, but I think if they would just surrender and they would just trust, they would find that peace and the joy they're looking for. There are
0: two themes in the book that really spoke to me. One is um, one was rhythm, and one was space. So John, you mentioned that having idle time was how God used you to shape you. Um, having idle time in this busy, busy world, and you know, kind of restructuring your work life to being more focused towards your family and more focused at home, really actually helped bring abundance, which is the antithesis of what the Western world would would tell us. So I'd love for you guys both to speak to the concepts of um, rhythm, which is the antithesis of balance, which bless you, because I don't like the word balance. I was so relieved to find that in your book. Mm-hmm. And then also having space, creating space for quiet time, for God, for, you know, revamping whatever needs to be loved on.
2: You know, yeah, that's one of the things we always say. The work-life balance, it's a myth. Um, in our life and in our, our family, uh, raising the children, it was always an ebb and flow. There were times when John was packed with speaking engagements. He had, you know, two books to write. And we knew we weren't going to see him. But we always, we, we would look through the year and look at our calendar and know, okay, in July, we're going to take this trip. And, you know, in December, we're going to go here. And we, we mapped it out because to try and have that balance every single day was not doable. And that was a relief really, you know, and then the time that we did spend together was very purposeful and very intentional. And so that was the, the way we handled our work life. Right, John?
1: Yeah. So often we try to find balance in the course of a day or a week, Work-life balance, as you said, Catherine, it's a myth. It doesn't exist. It's about finding rhythm. So what rhythm works for you? Is it five days working hard and two days more relaxing and recharging? Is it six days and one? Is it two weeks straight and then taking three or four days off? Everyone has to find their rhythm that works for them in their life and their family. And so it's not about balance. It's about finding a rhythm that works for you.
2: You know, it's so funny because I, early on getting out of college and I had the corporate jobs and, you know, it was, you get, get to the office by eight and you're done by five. And I always struggled with that. I had a really hard time with that day to day, um, drop droning, you know, droning on of having to get into the office. And I ended up taking on a sales job where I worked out of my home. I made my own hours. I was on straight commission. So it was up to me to make, you know, a living, but I started to find for me, I would work really hard for three, maybe four days. And then I'd have three days off. Like That was my, I realized I just did not jive with this whole day to day grind. And it was relieving for me to know there was nothing wrong with me because for years I thought, what is wrong with me? And really it was just that once I found my own groove and what worked for me, it was magical. I was number one in sales and, you know, did a lot of great things. And so, same thing when it applies to your family life. So,
0: What does your individual and collective day-to-day look like? Talking about that, finding that rhythm. What does that daily rhythm look like?
2: Well, I always say the one thing that I always do every morning is have coffee. That's probably my only constant.
1: breakfast
2: (laughs) and breakfast. Um, but it really just depends again. I mean, there are days I wake up and I have a list of phone calls. The, the one thing I do want to implement by the way that I'm learning is that I probably should, as much as I say, I'm not a morning person, become a little bit of a morning person and get that workout out of the way. Um, but for me, it's always different. It could be, you know, doing a podcast or, um, you know, making calls on, you know, something with the house. It's always different. John is very structured. So he will tell you about him.
1: Well, what do I do in the morning?
2: Oh my gosh. Every morning, same thing. He gets up, he puts his shoes on and he walks out the door. He goes to the beach and he walks on the beach. If he has a podcast first thing in the morning, it comes back and showers and gets ready for that. If not, he goes to the gym and he rides the bike. So I mean you can guarantee those are things he's going to do every day. The other thing that he started incorporating is playing tennis. So in the afternoon if he's not doesn't have a tennis lesson, he goes to hit balls. I mean, I have never seen somebody more consistent in my life. He eats the same things every day.
1: <laughs> not every day.
2: Almost. But I mean, but what I've seen is these little things that he has done every single day and how it's compounded and you know blossomed into 24 books and a podcast i mean it's amazing he's done these same things and now i'm able to see wow you know those those things you did every single day is what has led to his success
1: we are completely different in that <laughs> regard catherine just flies by the seat of her pants she whatever's going to happen that day is going to happen. She she eats breakfast and then next thing you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> call. And that's me. She'll take a call and and just talk for a while. Meanwhile, I'm thinking I've got to get this work done today. Like I can't take that call right now. I'll take a call at this time. So I like to, to do my calls when I'm walking. So a lot, sometimes I'll be walking on the beach and I'll take calls, you know, I'll pray, but also I'll take calls. I'm of combining things like that to be more productive, but um i'd probably like to be a little more like Catherine, probably and i think she'd like to be a little bit more like me that's
2: exactly right you know it's funny because since covid hit right he's look the year before covid he spoke was it 82 times
1: probably yeah
2: he he literally was out traveling and did 82 speaking engagements that, that year before so you gotta remember he was hardly home all of a sudden he's home all the time and so when he's talking about, yeah,
1: she said it all the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and when he's so when he's talking about me being on the phone, I think some of this, and this is what I've tried to explain to him, is a girl thing. You know, that's how I connect. So if I have a friend call me, I'm going to talk on the phone to her. But you know, if you're watching me, you're seeing I'm folding the clothes, I've done the dishes, I've picked up. You know what I mean? Like I'm not sitting down on the sofa eating bonbons. But it's really hard for him. <laughs> To even just hear me on the phone because he is so driven. Like, you know, that wasn't scheduled. You, you didn't schedule, you know what I mean? Don't so you have
1: these other calls and things you right, have to do. today? Don't you as? have
2: somewhere to go? So that that's been an interesting, and I think I do think some of it is is the man woman thing. I, I don't think in in general, I don't yeah. think men are like that. They don't get on the phone and talk to their guy friends for an hour, right? So
0: Only my uncle Jimmy. He's the only man that I've met. Who there's always one who can can talk more than any woman that I know. Yeah, Yeah. so funny. Always
2: one.
0: John, I'm curious, what does your creative process look like? Because you have written so many books, and that is definitely um, a creative process. But there is so much structure to writing a book, and then also to your day to day life.
1: Yeah. So you asked about schedule. When I'm writing a book, the schedule is different. When I am writing, I get up each morning and I write. First thing, if I check email or social media, I'm done. I can't write. So I have to be creative and not allowing anything to pollute that process. So I'll just focus on writing. And then when I'm done, I'll go take a walk and I'll take that beach walk, gratitude, prayer. I'll get some new ideas, come back, write some more. And then I'm usually done for the day. And then I'll do whatever I have to do during the day, calls, emails, whatever. And then at night, I'll read what I wrote. I'll edit it a little bit and I'll get some new ideas and I'll write them down on a piece of paper, just right next to the computer. And the next morning I'll get up and I'll start the process again. And that's pretty it. That's pretty much it, like I do that. And while I'm walking, I'm always getting ideas. And so it's almost like the book starts to write itself eventually. First week might be a little tough, a little struggle, but once it starts flowing, the book starts to write itself and it's a magical, cool process. So 24 books now and got a few more I know I want to write, you know, that that are within me and I'm just waiting to write them, but that's sort of the process of how it works.
2: I want to pipe in as the, uh, wife of, of the writer. So we have a running joke in our family through the years when John has, um, started his right, you know, whatever book he's working on, we, we like to call it's kind of like a birthing process. Like the, the first week that he is starting this,
1: I, <laughs> he's, he's like, the scientist.
2: yeah, the mad scientist. I mean, you just stay out of his way. He's, I mean, it is definitely, I've watched it in action. It's, it's a work in progress. Um, and I will say now having written a book with him, he's not normal. Um, I mean, this guy can pump out a book. I mean, we did our book together. It maybe took three weeks and, um, he stayed on me. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. I mean, because he would bang his part out and then, you know, like Catherine needed to get in there and, you know, la de da. And so, but he just stayed on me and we got it done. And, but the other thing that he's really good about is, clearing out the clutter and clearing out the stuff. So I wrote this book really a lot like I talk, which is very detailed and, you know, but he was really great about knowing that doesn't go there. Like that's a great story, but that needs to go in this chapter. So he was really good at, you know, placing things where they needed to go. So I,
1: and knowing what the audience would want to hear. He's a and genius. Not hear I'm just saying no. you are. And I appreciate that. Huh? But <laughs> but it's just more of a process of understanding. And usually all the books I've written take about three and a half to four weeks. So it definitely is a process, but they're not long books. We're not writing War and Peace. You know, I really try to keep them short, simple, powerful, lesson oriented, providing value to the reader of what they can read. And I didn't even know I could write a book when I first started. So it wasn't like I thought I was this writer. I just wrote The Energy Bus one time. It came to me, had this incredible inspiration to write it every day. It was a magical spiritual experience. I'll never forget. And I wrote the book and it really is my, my spiritual foundation that writes these books. I know, and I'm such a believer because I couldn't write these books the way God does through me. I mean, it is, may sound weird to hear, but these ideas come, they flow. And then in the beginning and the end to see how they fit together, Mm -hmm. not knowing what the end was going to be a lot of times, and then to see how it all fit It's really a cool, magical process. And then to be walking, getting an idea, and someone calls me up out of the blue and tells me something that I knew needed to be in the book, or someone sends me an article that needed to be in the book um, as I'm in the writing process. And like, it all shows up at the right time when I'm meant to write this book. And then for it to impact people's lives and to even save lives, you know, and to reach over 5 million people now, you know you didn't do it alone. Like God's clearly orchestrating things to do it. And why, because that's my purpose. That's my calling. And honestly, that's why I'm here on earth. It is to write these books, to love my wife, raise my children and write these books. That's why I'm here to do it. That's what I'm here to do.
2: But I think it's important to, to acknowledge that you paid attention. He listened, right? Cause I think we all get these messages, but so many times we're not paying attention, but he really, you know, takes it pays attention to the details and the other thing I think is neat is that in his book and books and again I've been here watching him writing write them a lot of them weave together when he didn't even know they were going to like joy the bus driver ends up being Martin's mom and training camp you know so a lot of the character characters end up tying together. And that's been really neat, yeah. you know? That wasn't planned initially. And nev- never planned, yeah.
1: But and I you know, I also wanna let people know, like when I was writing early on, especially, I felt unworthy. And there is that, that feeling of unworthiness, like who am I to write this? Who that's am I true. to do this? And I think a lot of people get ideas and impulses and are meant to write or meant to produce something amazing. And yet they don't because they don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they deserve it. And so they don't think it's possible. So what happens? They cut off the flow of abundance and positive energy and God's plan for their life. They cut off that flow. They stop it. God's saying, I have a plan for you. And people are saying, I don't believe it's possible. Mm -hmm. Your job is to believe and trust that there is a plan for you and be willing to take that step and do it. And I think the key for me is I'm not very talented. I'm just willing, like I'm willing to listen and willing to obey and willing to do the work. And I think if more people did that, they would create something amazing. And I know that you've done that with your business. You were willing to step out and to create and to design and to say, you know what, I can produce this. I can do this where a lot of people are not willing to do it or scared to do it or don't think they can do it.
0: Or they don't deserve it. Yeah. What would your advice be to someone who wants to be an author or a speaker or get into a similar field as you create a similar brand?
1: What do you think I think
2: I know what he would say because I hear him say it all the time. Well,
1: because you're getting into it more and more. Now, Just so. do it. Yeah. Just
2: do it. You know, so many times people want to make sure they have the right logo and the right tagline, like all these little things, and I'm guilty of that. Um, and John is so big, and I've heard him say it to people over and over on the phone: "Just do it." And that's really what he he did. It's funny when he first started to speak, he was not good. He was not good. I'm telling you, I listened, And funny enough, there was a woman that worked out at the same gym that we did. And they were these two women and they were speakers. And they actually told John.
1: They told a friend.
2: Well, okay. They did. That's right. um, That he was not good and he was never going to make it, you know? And it's so funny. He came home and he told me that, but it didn't affect him. He just kept doing it. You know, he started out speaking for free and then he, then he, you know, charged 500, you know, it just went like that. So just and, do it.
1: And Catherine came to one of my talks and she's like, um, listen, like <laughs> you share some jokes, you're funny. You got some great stories in there, but you're losing me. Like yeah. there's no structure. your yeah. talk, you're just yeah. talking, but there's no structure. And that was, that was huge for me. She helped me a lot. Cause I was like, you know what? You're right. So that's what I became up with. Like a framework, like five principles I'm going to share with you today and structure around those principles, give them structure, give them takeaways, give them stories, principles, applications. And Catherine was a big part of, of doing that. So it's funny that I, I remember her coming to see me speak and she told me that. And I wasn't good initially. I really was. <laughs> she's we, right. Yeah,
2: we would walk on the beach and he would like practice. And I'd go, okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so yeah. it was funny to think back.
1: And now, and now Catherine's getting ready to do it. And she's, you know, nervous and doing it and not like just getting out there at times and starting the podcast like she wants. So I know she wants to have you on there and when she does, and I'm like, Catherine, just do it. Like you don't even need the whole infrastructure in place, do your interviews right now. And then once you have your interviews done, you can start putting them together and putting them out there and then you can do some more. You don't have to like, have it all figured out initially.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I would love for you guys to talk about the phrase relationship grit and what that means to you and where maybe in the writing process, did that aha moment come to write about that? Or was that the impetus to writing the book?
2: It was the impetus to write it. Um, You know, I had become an empty nester and had started running into women that I knew, rather our kids had played sports together or whatever, and they might have kids at home. And a lot of these women, I'm standing in the produce section of the grocery store and they were falling apart. You know, they were saying their marriage is falling apart and they you know, just really, I just found myself starting to say the same type of things and same, same encouragements. And I came home and I told John, well, the first thing I did was I I made like a Facebook post and it just went viral. I mean, it went crazy. And I realized, wow, people really need to hear this and they need to know they're not alone and how, and, and, and find some tools or use some tools to help them. And that kind of started it. And so when John and I went to write this book, we knew the word was going to be grit because we knew people had to have grit in their relationship to stick together. And then we came up with the acronym.
1: But when did the acronym come? Do you remember?
2: In the beginning. In the kitchen. In the kitchen. When we were flirting in the kitchen.
1: (laughs) We We were talking in the kitchen and it just popped. It just came, just came, just popped in our heads. And we just said, grit has to stand for something. And so we wanted to create an acronym and it stands for God resolve invest together mm-hmm. and so you have to make God the center of your relationship with two of you in a relationship your two cords you're breakable with three cords you become unbreakable and God is that third chord. Mm-hmm. with resolve you get a resolve to stick together like really stick it out I
2: um I is invest you have to invest in your relationship how many times do we really kind of put our most intimate relationship on the back burner because they're just there. And you invest time with your friends and with your coworkers, but really being intentional about your spouse or your mate and, and investing that energy and attention into them.
1: And then together, you gotta to do it together. It can't be just one, you have to do it together. If one wants it and the other doesn't, it's not gonna work, right. but you both have to be committed to making it work.
0: It's we, not me. One thing that I really appreciate, one of many things I really appreciate in the book is how you guys speak to family meetings and your yearly words. Mm -hmm. So to me, having that structure around a family unit, um, it's different than how I grew up. And it really resonated with me. Where did that come about? How did that come about?
2: Um, Well... uh... (laughs) We were having problems in our our own relationship. And um, John had started talking to somebody. Dan Britton. Dan Britton. And um, he had suggested the family meeting. So the family meetings came when our kids were um, in middle school. I really wish we had started doing them earlier. It was amazing. The things that came out during these meetings. And let me tell you something. It wasn't easy. I mean, we trying to get the kids out there and they'd be fighting and they'd be busy or I wouldn't want to come. I mean, sometimes that grown family meeting and I'm like, oh gosh, you know, (laughs) phones aside, I got to focus. But I got to tell you 9 yep 9 times out of 10 something came out of that meeting that was really exactly what we needed to be talking about and 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 you know we would come up with ways to help our kids deal with situations that were happening in school or with their friends and john would always share something inspirational and um, it never failed that it was had applied to something that one of us was going through yeah so family meetings or you know if you don't have kids just you and your
0: partner amazing What do you speak about in the meetings?
2: So we start out with a prayer. So we came up with a family prayer and I can tell you what that is. Please. Um, God, we invite you into our marriage and family to love us, to heal us, to unite us, to strengthen us so we can grow strong together and serve you together and raise children that glorify and honor you, God. And so we would start with the prayer prayer. And then John would start with something, um, it was rather biblical or just something motivating that maybe another one of his friends had written. Um, and it, it couldn't be from John, by the way. They did not want it from John. It had to be from someone else, right? That's always how it is with your kids. And then we would sit around and we would talk about it. And, and, and a lot of times there was something in that that applied to something one of the children was, was going through or something that I was going through. Um, so we would do that. And then we would always talk about our word, what our word was and how that was working for us in our lives and what we were doing to help it work for us in our lives. Um, and then again, we would end with a prayer. Am I missing anything? Yeah. yeah.
1: It, the one word that we would pick for the year. Yes. We talked about our family mission statement, and just really, we would share. And what ideas- was
2: our family mission statement
1: to love and honor God and all that we do fall short a lot of times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that was our goal. And,
2: and that would always be the question. Well, is how, that love and honoring God Yeah. and how all we, you do?
1: How are we doing with that? Yeah. And we then would almost help each other solve the challenges of the problems that we were going through and the issues we were having. And Catherine's right though a lot of times people didn't, you know, they didn't want to come to the table. It was, Struggle had to fight for a lot of times, but I believe in culture. You have to fight for the things that matter most, and fight for your culture.
2: Yeah, and John did. He did fight for that because there were, you know, there were times we didn't, but he was very, again, because he's consistent, very consistent. No, we're we're doing. There were
1: things I didn't do right as a parent and as a dad, but that was one thing I did right.
0: (laughs) So you had in your own personal words for the year, and then you had a collective word as a family
1: we all didn't have a collective word we just each okay. had our own word yeah. individually
2: and we've heard from many families uh because john wrote the book one word with his uh, co-authors but we've heard from many families and a lot of them do pick a family word but that wasn't something we did for some reason we just stuck with it we had to
0: keep it simple mm. <laughs> do you ever change your word throughout the year ah no you don't change no. word. okay
1: that's against the rules man <laughs>
0: This is why I asked the question yeah. for those no, who don't know no, the rules.
1: No word for you. No word for you.
0: If you had to pick a favorite book of yours, John, that you've written, Relationship grid Aside, which would it be?
1: I know I have to say Relationship grid because I wrote it with my wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, training well, Camp. Well, that's though. my
0: favorite. That's my favorite. It's Relationship Grit. So you guys have to pick a different book. <laughs>
1: Did you read Training Camp though? Not yet. Uh, <laughs> training Camp is my favorite that I've written. And it's a cool fable, a great story. And it's about overcoming your fear and finding your faith to be all that you're meant to be. Catherine's favorite I've written besides Relationship Grit is, is The Seed. Uh, that's the one that she likes most that I've written in terms of finding your purpose mm-hmm. and happiness. And it's about a journey of a 27 year old who goes on a, who goes on a, a trip with his dog to find his purpose. And so that was a fun book to write.
0: I love that. How many books do you have in the works now? How many books has
2: he written or how many does he.
1: In the works that I'm right working on, okay, okay. working on. Uh, one, two, three, four, like probably five, five, five or six. Five. No, I have like six now, yeah. six. And I don't have them in the works. I just know the next six that I want to do. And I know that this December, I'm supposed to write an epic one that I've had for the last 10 years you know, or longer, actually like 13 years now, 14 years that I know I was wanting to write, waiting to write. And I think this year is the year I'm supposed to write it.
0: I love that. What would your, you guys have been in A successful relationship for many, many years, even with its challenges, I would still argue that it's a huge success. What would your advice be? Favorite humans, what would your advice be to folks who are not yet in a relationship, who are maybe seeking a relationship or still working on themselves? What would your advice be to them?
2: Well, you're always going to be working on yourself. So I'm just going to tell you that now. Like you just, again, it's kind of what John says you just do it, you dive into it. Listen. Oh my goodness. Looking back now, it's, it's amazing how we made it, but there's one thing that I always tell young couples, especially the grass isn't greener. I mean, if if this person that you're with, you genuinely care for, and it's not an abusive relationship. And of course it is important to be attracted to them. I'm just going to put that out there, but if you have that you're gonna have issues. And so it's a matter of sticking it out and working through them. It's worth it. You know, I look back now at the times when I got really angry and I, I wanted to leave. And I think, wow, I would have thrown away such a beautiful thing. And you know, when you get to the other side, when you've been through so much and you're able to enjoy the, you know, the fruits of that, uh, that's what makes it so sweet. So for a new, for a person seeking a relationship, I would say be open-minded. I think you definitely have to have your deal breakers and those are the obvious ones, you know, someone that's not abusive, you know, all that. And then other than that, just, just be in it and explore it and don't have so many absolutes. I mean, my, person, my guy that I would always say was my ideal man to date, looks nothing like John Gordon. It's true. (laughs) Nothing, right? But he is absolutely the one for me. So be open-minded and be
0: flexible.
1: I may not be the one she wanted. I was the one that God knew she needed.
0: (laughs) Yes. I love it. John, Uh, what would your advice be?
1: Well, Catherine always says, read relationship grit. Even if you're single, Mm -hmm. because the best work she did on herself was when she was alone.
2: Yeah, I say the best work that relationship work I ever did was when I had just gotten out of a bad breakup.
1: And so you, you get out of a bad relationship or you're looking for a good one. You're working on yourself and you're working on preparing yourself to be a great partner for someone. And that's important. You need to come into the relationship, being someone who makes the other person better. I also believe when you come into a relationship, you're going to have wounds and those wounds get exposed in the relationship. And I believe a relationship is where you heal. It's about coming together to heal together. And if you can heal together, you grow together. Too often people come into a relationship, they have the wounds and they don't heal together. They wind up getting infected and it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. But if you can recognize how can we heal together, then you'll grow together. And then you'll be together and have a bond for forever. And that's what it's about. So who can you heal with? How can you be someone who helps the other person heal? And how can you allow that other person to help you heal together?
0: That's beautiful. Well, what is next for Relationship Grit and the dynamic duo? Well,
2: um,
1: we don't I, even know what's happening tomorrow. I,
2: know exactly. <laughs> I do have a good idea for another book. We'll see. And then I'm starting my podcast, as John John said. And he has, uh, he's got, to write this book by himself that he's got going on right now. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: I think Catherine's gonna write her next one by herself, definitely. (laughs) And no, I do. And I think we were meant to write this book and then she's gonna write her next one on her own. It's gonna be based on the podcast that she's doing and it's gonna be her thoughts and her her musings and her just, you know, her brand of things she would say that not everyone else would say, but she'll say it because she likes to tell the truth and say it how it needs to be said. And that's what people love about her. She always tells the truth. And it may not always be perceived as positive, but it always has positive intent, right? And so I'm excited for her to, to jump in and, and do that. And then together, you know, we're going to Hawaii. I'm going to be speaking to the In-N-Out Burger Company, You know, I'm speaking out to them and they're all their leaders there. So we're excited for that. And, um, you know, just seems like it's going to be a busy year of speaking and person events have come back now. So August, September, it's going to be awesome and doing a lot of those and, Hopefully Catherine will travel a, li- a little with me when she gets bored.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Hopefully you'll come visit me in LA, Marin
0: uh, You say the word and I'm there. I love it. Um, where can we find you both off of this podcast and how can we support you? Uh,
2: my Instagram handle is at Catherine Gordon and that's K A T H R Y N Gordon. And then John.
1: John Gordon, 11 J O N Gordon, 11 that's Instagram. And, Twitter website is johngordon.com, j-o-n-gordon.com. And you can find all my books and everything on uh, that website. And we have relationshipgritbook.com, relationshipgritbook.com. You can find the book there, but you can also find the action plan. And this is a really good thing to do with your partner when reading the book. You read the book together, you do the action plan, and it will make you stronger doing the action plan together.
2: Yeah, it's a free action plan. And of course, all of our books, his book and my book uh, are on Amazon and all major retailers.
1: Yep.
0: Beautiful. Well, I love and adore you both. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Miran. Great to be on and can't wait to have you on my podcast and hope people will listen to that as well as they hear me um, ask you questions and learn about your amazing journey. So I'm excited right. to, to, to share that podcast that we do together.
0: Absolutely. A big thank you to our host at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media Group. If you liked this podcast, please like, follow and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If And if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me on Instagram at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a beautiful day and we'll see you next week.